Welcome to My Cockpit Builder of the Month podcast interview. Each month, we bring you interviews and discussions regarding home cockpit builders. And don't forget, this wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for all of you. That's why My Cockpit is the largest home cockpit builders community in the world. You can access us at www.mycockpit.org. In this monthly edition of My Cockpit Podcast, we bring you interviews and discussions, all relevant topics to the home cockpit builders. This month, we'll bring you another excellent interview conducted by Vibow. Now let's get up close to learn more about this Builder of the Month's project. This month, we spoke with up the interview in three sessions. So here is session two. Matt can do so you can. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> and actually, going uh, uh, answering the second part of the second part of your question regarding using real aircraft parts, really the the extent of what I would do is I would take an existing aircraft module, say like the flight control module, and on the 737, the, these these modules have a aluminum enclosure on the back, and then a couple of cannon connectors. And if you remove the back, you would find several uh, circuit cards that would that were in there. And literally all I would do is cut all of that away. I'd remove all the wiring, all of the circuit cards, and then add my own wiring into it. And really all I'm doing then is just interfacing the, the indicator lights and the switches to the EPIC system. And I know there are other systems that are out there now that, uh, that I know that, uh, Flight Deck Solutions has and some others, but I really don't know too much about them simply because, uh, I, I, I went down the EPIC path. Um, Sidgets I know are very, very popular. And really, really at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's doing the same thing. All you're doing is interfacing a switch, an indicator light, or a display to a piece of, of pre-made hardware that will make that indicator light and display turn on and off, or that, uh, or if you flip that switch to send a signal back to that piece of uh, uh, digital input-output hardware. So it's really, really not that, not as difficult as one would think. And again, having the resources such as what I see on mycockpit.org, anybody can do this. Oh, well, I, I think that's that's a good comment that you made, and uh, I'm sure a lot of our new builders can kind of take note of it and leave out of this book, and maybe that's the path that they can choose. Matt, one thing that really sticks out when I look at your website or when somebody looks at your, at your cockpit is the columnate display. Not all of us in the home cockpit building community exactly know what is a columnate display, so would you uh, would you uh, kind of tell us what this means and how how it adds value to your cockpit? Certainly, uh, collimated display systems were developed, I believe, in the late '60s uh, to early '70s. Um, the problem that flight flight training devices had at the time was if when you project a image, and again, these are very rudimentary projectors. When you projected an image onto a flat surface, such as a projection screen or a wall or something like that, it was impossible for the pilot who was doing the training to really get an accurate sense of depth perception. And when learning to fly an aircraft, of course, 
part of that is being able to perceive depth and perceive where the aircraft is in space, especially perceive where the aircraft is in relation to the runway or landing uh, airport environment. So around that time, and I believe somebody had told me that this actually, this system was developed by, by people that were dealing with telescopes and looking at stars. They wanted some method of being able to look at an object and be able to perceive distance between various objects in that field of view. So what they determined was, uh, what they came up with was this thing called a collimated optical system. Collimation simply means that you take light rays and you, you make them parallel. And in the, in the world that we view as humans, when you view a 3D world through your eyes, you're actually viewing everything with a focal point set at infinity. A 2D optical system does not have a focal point set at infinity. It's, it's, it's looking at a, at a flat surface. So what they, what they uh, invented was the system whereby if you bounced a 2D image onto a spherical mirror, and that spherical mirror collimated that image, or in essence set, set the light rays parallel, and set that image to where the focal point that you're looking at is at infinity, that you actually see a three-dimensional image. So back in, back in the 70s, they, they developed this system, and essentially the way it works is you have a very large glass uh, uh, spherical mirror, and this mirror is about 52 inches wide by about 40, uh, I'm sorry, 24 inches, uh, uh, 20 inches tall. And what they would do is they would take a black and white CRT monitor, and if you can imagine, if you're sitting in the pilot seat and you're looking into this mirror, this large rectangular mirror, and between you and that mirror is a is a, a piece of glass called a beam splitter, which essentially is what you see like a security mirror. It, it bounces 50% of the light on one side. So you have this one-way mirror between you and the spherical mirror, and you look through that piece of glass into the spherical mirror. Then above you, outside of the pile of view, would be this black and white monitor. And what would happen is, this black and white monitor, if you could imagine that monitor face facing directly towards the ground out of the pilot's view, that one-way mirror would bounce the image of that monitor into the large spherical mirror. And it would do two things. It would double the image of the, of the monitor, uh, double the image size of the monitor, and then it also would warp the image in such a way that it set the focal point to infinity. And when you looked into this mirror and you saw the reflection of this monitor, you, you would see a true three-dimensional image. So a taxiway sign that is 50 feet in front of the airplane, you could take a theodolite, which is one of those surveying tools uh, that, you know, that you'll see on a tripod when a surveyor is surveying some land, uh, and aim the theodolite and focus it at that particular taxiway sign, it will indicate that that sign is 50 feet away from the airplane. And so, so what you get is a true three-dimensional representation of the outside view of the airplane that you cannot get with a straight 2D projection system. It's just simply not possible. So all of the all of the full motion flight simulators today, or or, or what are called FFSs, uh, full flight simulators, all use a collimated optical system. 
So really what you get is, is a true 3D view, and, and through that you really get the proper depth cueing, and it, it just increases exponentially the training experience that a pilot would get over just a straight flat projection system. Okay, that's, I think that's pretty awesome the way you kind of explained it. Um, so, so this basically improves your um, the visual aspect of simulation by leaps and bounds, I guess. It does. It, 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 it's it's a uh, literally a night and day difference. And again, when you when you're looking when you're sitting in the pilot seat and you're looking outside, it literally looks like you're looking out your regular window, looking at a, a three-dimensional world. You can you you get the proper depth cueing. You also uh, it really helps considerably as far as giving you the sense of aircraft movement, especially when you're rolling down the runway. You, you, the, the sense that it gives your brain that you're actually in a moving device, uh, a moving aircraft is, is really pretty, uh, pretty, pretty apparent. But with the, with the 2D system, and, and, and again, the, the 2D stuff has come a long way simply, and when I say 2D, say like projection onto a screen, has really come a long way in fooling the brain because of the, the complexity of the imagery has increased quite a bit. If you go back to the early 1990s, the image generators used on full flight simulators, you really just got uh, basic shaded polygons and that was it. There was no texture mapping uh, to speak of at the time. So today with, uh, with X-Plane or Microsoft Flight Simulator, you have an outside environment that, that is significantly richer and that does go a, a great length to, to, to pull the, the, the brain into thinking you're looking at a 3D environment that you still never really get the true 3D representation and an accurate 3D representation that you would with a collimated optical system. The the newer systems that are used today, mine mine was off of the Boeing 737 full full flight simulator, but mine is a is an older system that uses these glass mirrors and that the entire four window system that I have probably weighs around 2,000 pounds. And the the disadvantage to the system that I have is that your eye has to sit within a six-inch sphere that's the focal point of the, of the two mirrors. And when I say two mirrors, you have uh, one mirror straight in front of you that represents a 50-degree, I'm sorry, 45-degree horizontal field of view by 40-degree vertical field of view, and then butted right up against it off to the left, if I'm sitting in the captain's seat, is another 45-degree horizontal uh, field of view. So when you're looking left to right, you get 90 degrees horizontal. Uh, so, but the disadvantage to that system is your eye has to sit within that focal point. So if I turn my head and I look to the right, I cannot see what the first officer sees. The back in the early 90s, uh, a, a new system was developed that is still a collimated system, but it uses one giant mylar mirror. Uh, to to give a 150-degree horizontal field of view, and the advantage to that system or the advantages to that system are, one, they're very lightweight. Uh, you don't have the big 2,000-pound uh, mirror system that I have. It's, it's probably maybe uh, a quarter less than that. And then the second advantage, which is actually the largest advantage, is that anybody can sit at any point in the cockpit and see that full 150-degree field of view. Your eye does not have to sit in one location. So if I'm a captain in front of the, in the captain's seat, 
I can look to my right and look out the, the first officer's side view mirror or side view window and see exactly what he's seeing and still get that proper depth depth perception. Um, I think that's that's going to be really helpful to somebody who doesn't know what a columnate display is. And I think you, you you really explained that really well. Sticking to visuals, um, in your interview, you, you talked about an image generator, which you said you use along with explain. What is an image uh, generator? Um? Image generators are, in, in, the, in, the, in, in the professional training world, in, in full flight simulators, when a airline purchase, purchases a flight simulator, say from like CAE, the, the flight simulator is considered one element and the the visuals are considered a uh, a totally separate element so uh, so you can you purchase your flight simulator but then you purchase the visuals as a totally separate entity and there's several manufacturers out there of of visual systems uh, CAE may provide the optics they may may provide the collimated optical system but the the software and the hardware that actually produces the outside visual scene is what's called an image generator. And back in the 90s and early 2000s, uh, the image generators would consist of, of specialized hardware that would drive a projector or a field of view that would generate all of this outside outside imagery. So taxiway signs. Uh, buildings, city light points, that sort of thing. Um, it was not, uh, the image generator was a standalone system because it was so comp- computationally intensive, it was never, it was never integrated within the, the flight simulation software itself. So the, the image generator was a standalone system that the, that the flight simulator would simply send very basic data to such as latitude, longitude, pitch roll, heading, altitude, and weather conditions. And then the, the image generator would take all of the, take that, those data packets and determine exactly where that airplane is in space and then generate the outside view that the pilot should be seeing. So uh, these systems were, were uh, always an independent entity because they, they, out of all of the simulation elements in a full flight simulator, the visual system at the time and still to a great extent today is the most computationally uh, uh, difficult uh, software platform in, in the whole simulation entity. So um, in flight simulator or X-Plane, the visuals are all rolled into that same package. So when you start up X-Plane, you see the outside world. And a full flight simulator, you would not have that. So you just have your your things related just to the flight simulation, and then you would have these devices that would generate the uh, these devices and, and software programs that would generate the outside outside view. Um, anyway, uh, a while back, a through a friend of mine that is president of a company called RSI Visual Systems or Ready Fund Visual Systems in uh, Dallas, Texas. Uh, he uh, he offered uh, to install their image generator into the simulator, and this this uh, piece of software just uh, just as I explained generates all of the outside imagery, and this is the this is the software that is used uh, in all of the brand new level D uh, full flight simulators. So it's um, it essentially runs on four PCs. 
you have uh, one PC that is sort of the um, I'm trying to think how to describe it, but basically like sort of the traffic cop. It it, it takes the the data from X plane and decides what to do with it. And then you have three separate PCs that drive the outside view. So one PC drives the captain's left view. One PC drives the center view for both the captain and first officer. And then a third PC drives the the first officer's side view. And this particular system, as I mentioned, it's it's a, a accredited it's a level level D image generator. And when I when I say that, there there are four different levels of FAA accreditation for flight simulators, going from level A, which is the, is the most simple flight simulator, all the way up to level D, which has the highest highest technical demand for flight training. So this system it's 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 a it's level D certified by the FAA. And the airports that the airport models, visual models that are in there are also FAA certified to level B standards. And this particular system is nice because in, in order to achieve FAA level B certification, the most important thing for image generators is not, uh, is, is the frame rate, uh, which is a 60 hertz frame rate or 60, 60 frames per second requirement. So whereas Microsoft Flight Simulator and to a significantly lesser extent X-Plane might put in a lot of eye candy, you know, the, uh, more buildings or, or whatnot, and you might get a frame rate that drops below 20 frames per second. In, in the professional training world, the most important thing is the frame rate. If the frame rate ever drops below 60, 60 hertz within a, within a training cycle, that particular flight simulator can lose its accreditation and be taken out of service. So that's sort of the big difference between uh, a uh, the visual system, or excuse me, the visual scene generated by uh, X plane or flight sim versus versus uh, versus a, a, a true uh, level B image image generator that you would see in a full motion flight simulator. Kind of a long convoluted explanation, but I, I hope I answered the question uh, that you're looking for. Of course, you did, and uh, this this goes on to show how close um, your home cockpit setup. I mean, I think I should not use the word home in your case. Is 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 so close to a, uh, a you know a level D uh, simulator? I guess you have the column display, you have the image generators. Um, it, it's really pretty awesome uh, what you have achieved. Uh, but just okay. to add on to that, yeah, I mean. Awesome. Just to add on to that, how much of your skills and experience as uh, a lighting designer has helped you in this? Uh, that's a very good question. I, it's, uh, I'm not sure how much it really has helped. I, I know that I'm definitely more perceptive as far as color and illumination goes. So, for instance, in the collimated display system, uh, as, I, as I explained earlier, like for the captain's view, you have two mirrors that are that give you your your 90 degree horizontal field of view so with those two mirrors you have two monitors that are providing that imagery so part of making that horizontal field of view look like one contiguous image is those monitors have to be perfectly color matched so the color matching has to be identical contrast um, gamma uh, all of those things have to be identical otherwise you might have one part of your field of view that may look a little bit dark and the other side uh, all of a sudden is much brighter and your brain instantly loses the illusion that you're looking at one one outside view. 
so especially because of my work in television, I'm very perceptive to uh, to, to differences in how two monitors might look adjacent to each other. So that would probably be about my only, my only, um, where my, my, what I do for a living sort of plays, plays into it. On the, on the, the software, on the image generators, you really can't control much in terms of lighting other than just sort of controlling time of day. So I can't go in and tweak like how the shading of the building looks or anything like that. The, the, the flying environment, the airport environment, which is a 60-square-mile area that, that you would fly in, all of that is, is predetermined by a database modeler. It's not something that, that I can go in and kind of tweak to make the lighting look a little bit different, uh, that sort of thing. So really kind of the only, the only thing that it, that it helps with is just the optical tuning of, of, the, of the monitors for the, to the visual system. Yeah, that's interesting. Me being an accountant, the only way it's helped me is to keep count of how much I've already spent and how much I should not spend more. <laughs> so that's yeah. the only way it's helping me. So. <laughs> I'm sure you have a much better grip on it than that, than I do of mine. That's, yeah, that's, it, it, that's for sure. Yeah, the drawback is it keeps haunting me that I've spent so much. So if I was not an accountant, I, I probably would have forgotten how much I've spent. And uh, I think I know to the T, so yeah, I mean, anyway. Just <laughs> I, I know that. I know the feeling. You know, fortunately for me, I feel like I'm kind of reaching very soon the end of the road uh, as far as what I'm going to do with the airplane. I have the visual system that I want. Um, I have the, the electronics that I want, uh, the software that's driving all of the, the, the aircraft systems is, is pretty close to where, where we want it. Uh, really, the only thing left to do is, is implement a, an active uh, control loading system. So that's really the last big thing or last big hurdle that needs to be done uh, to get the simulator to 100% mode. Fantastic. That concludes session two of this Builder of the Month interview.